Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are so excited to have Allie Foster here with us. Um, She actually used to be at the zoo, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Mark, you want to tell us what she does? Yes, of course. This is going to be a really fun episode for, I think, me and Jenna personally, (laughs) because a lot of these episodes end up being about Cincinnati Zoo. It's stuff that we already have a lot of kind of knowledge about, a lot of background information, but we really don't know a whole lot about what Allie does, so we're excited to learn about it. Allie Foster works at the Ohio Alley Cat Resource Center. <laughs> she is the barn cat coordinator. Like Jenna said, she did used to work at the zoo as well. But we're really excited to have you here today. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, I feel like it's stereotypical. Everyone says, thanks for having me. So thanks for having <laughs> me. It's great to be here. It's fun. <laughs> it's so formal. I've listened to so many of these podcasts and everyone says, thanks for having me. It's so official. So yeah, it's great. We're very, very official here. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's very professional. <laughs> So, OAR. I think a lot of people who are from Cincinnati may recognize OAR. Yeah. And it does so much good. But let's start back further before you got to OAR. Yeah. And we'll hear what what you do there. But we met at the zoo. Yeah. You used to work here. Tell us a little bit about your journey and... Oh my goodness, my journey. All your experiences. You've had a lot. Yeah, it's kind of random, kind of crazy. I did start here at the zoo. I applied for an internship long, long ago, back in 2007, uh, in our education department. And then I taught summer camp there. I was an intern in with the education department and taught summer camp for two years. And it was something that I didn't know that I would enjoy doing, but I love talking to kids and I love educating them and just kind of being silly and fun at the same time. You know, who doesn't love animals? So I started there and then got roped into the giraffes when they came in and the children's zoo was where I officially became a keeper for the first time and just kind of filled in where I was needed here and there all over the place. Um, And then, yeah, I got roped into the Newport Aquarium. So I left the zoo, sorry, Uh, (laughs) and then got roped into the Newport Aquarium. I actually worked with Jenna's husband, Scott, there. And so, yeah, I did that for six years and then left there came back to the zoo with the Cat Ambassador program most recently and then moved to Indianapolis for a hot second for a reptile keeper job there and then came back and ended up at Orr. So it's kind of been, (laughs) yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no logical sense in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. You've run the gamut here between children's zoo, giraffe, reptiles, cats, like all over the place. All over the place. It's great. I was going to say, I know you as... A cat person, for sure. But also reptiles. You really like reptiles, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. That was a big part of my life for a while. Was, uh, just we had, a, we had a lot of reptiles. Um, my ex-husband and I had a snake business, essentially, where we provided you know, young reptiles to people who were having their first experience with a reptile. We provided a lot of good first-time pets for people. Which, yeah, it was so crazy. Yeah, big in the reptile community for a while there. And I still have apple snakes. I was going to ask, do you have any? (laughs) I do. Western hognose are the best snakes in the world. They have their cute little upturned noses. And even if you're terrified of snakes, my dad is terrified of snakes. But he at least admits that hognose are somewhat adorable. So (laughs) I call that a win. Yeah, yeah. That's great. A lot of people don't realize that snakes can make really good pets. Absolutely. They're so cute. And some of them, I mean, it's just kind of like doing your research. You know, you just got to know what you're looking for. Do you have young kids? So I'd probably recommend a snake that doesn't move as fast for them, something that they can hold and kind of 
be able to handle. And yeah, and some some reptiles just don't make good pets, and you just have to admit that to yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, still pet. Be responsible pet owner. Exactly. But there are options. Exactly. Sure. So many options. But I mean, I look at you and you're a crazy cat lady. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to call you crazy. No, I'm absolutely. I mean, okay, for those of you that cannot see us right now. I was now, going to say, I was going to describe it. But <laughs> yes, okay, no, please describe okay. it, Donna. What, is, so, what did I bring with me? <laughs> Allie brought all of us cat ears. Mark is currently wearing, sporting sequin red sequin cat ears that can turn gold if you push them down in the opposite direction. They look good. He's rocking them. <laughs> yeah, they look good. And Allie brought me fuzzy ones, and she has actually cat ears that have jingle bells on them, and they are pretty fantastic. Tis the season. <laughs> They're, yes. Yeah. They are definitely, it's almost Christmas now. It, it won't be, it'll be past Christmas probably by the time we, you guys hear this, but they're very festive. Yes, thank you. As Great. well as a cat shirt, a cat necklace, a cat tattoo that I can see at the moment. Uh, it looks like ring. two cat rings. A oh no, that's ring a snake and a cat ring. ring. And, a yeah. cat ring. <laughs> and uh, a cat mug <laughs> with actually two stickers. So yeah, yep, yep. yep. You're a crazy cat lady. It's a problem. No, it's a good and, thing. And I mean, the book. Yeah, yes, the notebook, uh, guys. It's happening. It's happening. It's so fine. I, it's all fine. There are worse <laughs> things you could be than a crazy cat lady. Exactly. exactly. I think you ended up at the right place, though. Absolutely. And I heard you call it OR. I've always said OAR, but yeah. you guys refer yeah. to it as OR. OR, OAR, Ohio Alley Cat Resource, all okay. of the above. A lot of people say Ohio Alley Cat Rescue, which is not what we are. We're Alley Cat Resource, so that throws people through a loop a lot. Because Can you it's, Tell us the difference. Yeah, so in rescue and the resource and what you guys do different from maybe a shelter. Yeah, absolutely. And so we call ourselves um, a resource for the community, essentially. And so we are an adoption center, a spay and neuter clinic combined. And so we provide those resources for the community. But a rescue, if you hear the word rescue, you kind of think more of like, oh, they're going to take in this cat that I found that needs rescuing. This cat needs help. This cat needs this. This cat needs that. And that's not something that we provide. We do provide extremely affordable spay and neuter prices and that for the community. So if you do have a cat in your neighborhood, we always tell you, like, come rent a trap from us. Trap that cat. We provide through grant programs free spay and neuter for Amazing. that. Yeah, uh, awesome. And so we're trying to kind of encourage the community to take that aspect. But we are not... A rescue. We don't take like tragic, but if someone passes away, your uncle passes away, and like his cat's left behind, we don't typically go and be like, yeah, we can take that cat. Okay. So we do have a county shelter, Cincinnati Animal Cares, and they're one of our biggest like community partners. Essentially, like we couldn't really do what we do without them. They're amazing, but they are kind of the intake shelter, for lack of a better term, for Hamilton County, and each county has their own kind of shelter situation so it's it's it is different it's really hard to explain and it's really convoluted and it's just there's so many different moving parts and just like how with the zoo you guys are kind of changing a lot of how we talk to the public and how we like ex explain what we do with rescue a lot of words have been changing we've been trying to say instead of a shelter we're an adoption center okay. things like that because shelter kind of means like, oh, you take in and you provide shelter for these. It's like, well, yes and no. So it's just kind of changing those words to make it a little bit more what we actually do. Sure, yeah, so. that makes sense. Because you're taking them in and rescuing them in, in that sense, but in an adoption center, you're hoping they get adopted, and they yeah. aren't living their lives out there in the sense of a rescue. Exactly. 
Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between the roles you guys play, but there are still very distinct roles, and I'm sure you work very closely with shelters in the area and adoption centers. But Oh, absolutely. And whereas we are not necessarily an intake shelter, we don't intake from the general public, but we do provide help for other organizations in the area or community partners. Like if Cincinnati Animal Cares is like, hey, we just, we, we are helping this situation, like hoarding situations happen a lot. Cats... Mm. Crazy cat people like me. <laughs> we just want to take in all the cats. Well, so we so they'll help a hoarding situation, and they'll ask us like, "Hey, is there any way that you could take ten of these cats?" Mm-hmm. And that's where we are like, "Yes, absolutely." So we don't take from the public or the general area, but like we will absolutely help our community partners if they get to a situation like that. So, that makes sense. so yeah, we help other shelters and organizations do what they do by being able to provide that. Yeah, that makes sense. So one of the ways that you guys help in general that people may not know a whole lot about is the TNR, Trap Neuter Release Program, right? And you mentioned you can loan out a trap, Mm -hmm. and it's a a friendly, not harmful, does no harm sort of trap. Correct. um, Called a have a heart trap, correct? Exactly, have a heart traps. Um, so people explain, call them raccoon traps. Okay, I don't know. Maybe they would recognize that <laughs> yeah. more. Yeah, but explain that program and why it's important. And it's it's tough. There's a lot that goes into feral cats and having them in certain yeah. places. But um, trap neuter release is a really good way to at least stop a population from growing too quickly, if at all. Hopefully, I mean cats can move in at any point in time. They just come out of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) But explain what that program does. Yeah. So TNR, trap, neuter, return, or release. Basically, you come to OR and we have these have a heart traps that you can rent. And it is, you pay a deposit, but you get that fully back. So you don't even have to, like, if you bring the trap back, it's, you you get your money back. So, uh, but yeah, you come and rent a trap, set it out, you know, trap the cat, through grant programs, if the cat is part of an outside community, essentially, and you trap that cat and it is in a have a heart trap, we provide free, complete neuter, spay, whatever it is, provide that service, and we also provide vaccines. So rabies vaccine is very important as well. And then basically you come drop off the cat, you pick it up the next day, and you return it exactly where you found it. And that's the big thing is, like, just help us reduce the pet population, you know, Bob Barker price is right, you know, (laughs) and that's such a huge, huge help. If you see a cat in your neighborhood, you know, definitely go around and make sure if it's a friendly cat, make sure you're not catching your neighbor's cat. You know, (laughs) that's very traumatic for the cat. But a lot of times, even if it is a friendly cat, you know, they're a community cat. And that's a huge thing too, is there the terminology between a feral cat, a community cat, an outdoor cat, because ferals are essentially wild. You cannot get close to them. You cannot pet them. They are outside and they are living their best life as a feral. But community cats are cats in your neighborhood that might be friendly. They might just be a part of a colony. They might be just around in general. And then strays could be, you know, your neighbor's pet that comes around from time to time. So there's a lot of weird verbiage and words and trying to kind of get that straight. So I'm sorry if I overlap a lot of (laughs) words here, but but yeah, TNR is great. Absolutely. If you can trap any cats in your area, reduce the pet population. It's a huge, huge issue. And it's something that one of the best things we can do, I know as conservationists and everything, we're always talking about what can you do in your local community, in your everyday life to help 
wildlife and TNR is huge. It's not only healthier for the cat, but also then no more future cats will happen. And you know, birds and wildlife and all of that, they impact, it's huge, absolutely huge. Right, yeah. you know, it's unfortunate, but if there are too many cats living around, there's going to be more and more, of course, that are coming, but they're going to potentially get hit by cars. Yeah. You know, they're going to starve. There are certain things that you don't want to happen to them, so if we stop them from overbreeding or, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's great for the population as well because, like you said, you mentioned you guys offer all these vaccines and stuff. Yeah. A lot of these feral or community cat colonies, there's a lot of potential viruses yeah, and spreading disease, disease within them. Yeah, yes. so it's a huge resource. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things I'd like to say about TNR that a lot of people, a lot of people know, but a lot of people don't know, is when they do get TNR'd with us, they get an ear tip. And so, or an ear clipped or tipped or any form of that. Basically their left ear will, the top of it will just get trimmed off. And I know that sounds terrible and everyone's like, oh no, does that hurt the cat? It does not. It's kind of like us, like getting our ears pierced, like a lot of that, like it might be a little strange for them to be like, where did that go? But you know, for the most part. And so if you ever see a cat that's missing just the end of its ear, that's usually a sign to the community, to the world, that that cat has already been spayed or neutered. That cat is fixed. So basically, don't trap that cat. I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, yeah that's a good point that people may not have known. So specifically the left ear, yep. it's like a universal code. Don't waste your time trying to trap exactly. this cat. Don't waste your, <laughs> don't waste your resources. Yes. Don't waste your time. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Just left ear tip already already fixed. But it's hard because when you're trapping, if you're trying to trap a colony and you're like, okay, I got these 10 cats to catch, two of them already have ear tips, without a doubt, they are the first two right. that you're going to catch. Of course, of course. <laughs> They're like, free food? Great. I'm just going to go in here just like, no. And then, yeah, you have to release them and then... Try all over try again. Try all over yeah. again. It shows that it's not too traumatic. They came right I know. Back. They're just like, all right, food, this is great. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you have another program that you're actually in charge of. Yeah. And I think it's a really cool program that a lot of people don't know about. And so you do the barn cat release or what's, what's that title? Yeah. How, like, <laughs> yeah. And I can't wait to hear about how you decide which cats get oh, to yes. go become barn cats. But. So I am the barn cat coordinator for OR. And basically I take the grumpy, angry, mad for lack of better terms, pissed off cats that don't want to be in a home. That is the last thing that they want or need. They do Because, you know, we always talk about, especially at the zoo, we do what's best for the animal. We are always trying to be better, do better, and improve along the way. And some of these cats, they don't want to be in a home. They do not care about your bed. <laughs> they do not care about it. Like, they don't want that. They don't want to be touched. They don't want any of that. So it is hard sometimes to determine which cats are going to join my barn cat program. And basically, so with the barn cat program, there's an application online if you would like any cats. You don't have to have a barn to get them. I actually made a list so that I wouldn't forget, but I've taken cats to farms, neighborhoods, warehouses, factories. I've even taken to a horse therapy barn before. Oh, yeah. So there's barn cats Very there. Cool. Even neighborhoods, like a whole neighborhood has gotten together and they're like, we have mole problems, like mm. basically. And then also greenhouses. And so it doesn't have to be a barn or a traditional farm in the sense. But yeah, basically there's an application online. People fill it out. They tell me what they're looking for, what their needs are. And then I basically match the appropriate cap for them. Um, and then 
what's great about the program is it is 100% free to the person. You are providing them a home. You are promising that you're going to continue to feed these cats and you're going to care for them. And you're also saying that there is some form of a shelter for them. There is, okay. whether or not that's a shed, a barn, They're, the cats have to have a spot where in severe weather they can go, they can stay warm, they can stay protected and get away from predators as well. So you basically just have to have a spot where you're willing to care for these cats and in return the cats provide you the service of keeping your area rodent free. So it's kind of like a give and take. A lot of other places call this working cat program. Okay. And so it just kind of depends on where you are. In California, they call it working cats. In Ohio and the Midwest, we call it barn cats. So it's mm -hmm. just kind of whatever works. My question is, though, yeah. you described feral cats, and they don't want anything to do with people. They don't want yeah. the comfy bed. But how do you know to choose whether or not to put it back in the community because it's grumpy and doesn't want that or to put it as a working cat? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a program through Cincinnati Animal Cares and SPCA, both of them, called the Feral, uh, Feral Freedom Program. So if you find a cat in your area and you don't have time to bring it to or to do like that, you can take it to one of their locations, drop off the cat, and basically the understanding is that the cat is going to come to or it gets transported to or we spay and neuter vaccinate all that good stuff and then it will get returned to wherever they found that cat that's mm -hmm. the understanding um and so basically some of those locations people will bring them in and be like i found this cat it's the busiest road in the world like it's mm -hmm. just i really i'm worried this cat's gonna get harmed or occasionally they'll come in and someone's threatening to kill or harm okay. the cat poison. Uh, and they fill out this paperwork and it's beautiful and it explains everything that we need to know where the cat was found. We always GPS, Google Maps, like where the cat was found and we're like, is this safe? But we also take into consideration, is the cat in good shape? Do they have someone caring for it? That's one of the questions on there. If their neighbor feeds the cat and it's a plump, happy angry cat. I mean, it's angry, but it's doing well where it came from. Its needs are being met. Yes, yeah. its needs are being met. Then we will absolutely return the okay. cat to that location. And that's the ideal situation because who are we as humans to determine like what's best for this animal? If they are getting along just fine and it's not a traditional home in what we think of it, like, you know, warm, cozy and all that, but if their needs are being met, like you said, if they're doing well and they're content and they have someone who very lovingly cares for them, even if they can't pet them and all of that, you know, like that is ideal because we have so many cats out there. There are so many cats that need our help mm -hmm. and that cat is being taken care of and doing really great. So why not return them? So there are absolutely cats that come in that they're not doing well where they came from. Okay. They are not being cared for. I actually have a story. There was a cat recently. Her name was Ace of Spades. We named her Ace of Spades. <laughs> and she stayed with us because she came in from a colony and we kept most of the cats in that colony because no one was caring for them. They were skin and bones. Absolutely. And so we, she was so sick. She was so sick. She was so skinny. She had an upper respiratory infection. She was sneezing, coughing. She ended up having pneumonia. We were nebulizing her as a feral cat who you do not want to touch these animals. They do not want you to touch those animals. We were having to force feed her, syringe feed her. We were getting her out every day and doing sub Q fluids, B12 injections, anti-nausea meds, like anything just to keep this 
grumpy, angry, feral cat alive so that she could join our barn cat program and find a great home. And so there are situations like that where they come in and it's, it's all or nothing. We have to provide the best care that we can safely and happily provide. So yeah, it is, it's, you get both sides of okay. it. That yeah. sounds like a huge undertaking though for as many cats are in the community. How many vets or vet technicians do you have on staff? Like, not enough. <laughs> if you are a vet tech in the local area, no, so we have one. So we our spay and neuter clinic is kind of separate from the rest of our operation, which is kind of strange. Uh, but we so we have veterinarians with our spay and neuter clinic. But from the aspect of the barn cat program, we have one main vet. Um, she's there part time, but she's there a lot. Her name's Dr. Kramer. She's amazing. So we have just one main vet, and then we have two, well, now we stole one of the vet techs from the spay and neuter clinic. She helps <laughs> us out on Mondays. So we have one full-time vet tech, and then two part-time vet techs with us. So it's it's not enough. It's That's not a lot enough. of work. It's a lot of work, <laughs> and it's a lot of cats, and especially depending on the time of year, kitten season is always mm. crazy. You know, we find a lot of animals in really rough shape during those times, especially the young neonates and bottle babies and all that. Mm. But yeah, it just kind of it ebbs and flows. Like sometimes it's slower and calmer. I was going to say, how many cats do you have now, or about? Oh goodness, I have no idea. So I say I have no idea because a lot of cats are in fosters, which is amazing. We could absolutely not do what we do without our fosters. That was they, my next question. Do you have fosters? Yeah. Because a lot of these cats actually aren't being necessarily going back out to a home. They're yes. going to be out in the wild. Yes. Or not the wild, but yeah. well, kind of the wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wild to their yes. So we have, uh, our foster program is amazing. We have an amazing... Uh, so many fosters. I don't even know how many fosters we have. A lot. But basically, they to join our adoption program, a cat has to have two distemper vaccinations or the FVRCP vaccination. And they get that two weeks apart. So it's just like when they arrive, they get this vaccine and then two weeks later they get it. And so instead of having them sit in our wellness assessment center... Mm -hmm for two weeks waiting for their second vaccine before they can join our adoption center, which our adoption center is a completely separate building. It's, a, it's across the parking lot, but it's separate. Uh, but no cat can go into that building and join the adoption program without this second mm -hmm. vaccine. So they go and they spend time in foster homes. And a lot of times the fosters will provide medications. If a lot of cats, when they get stressed, they get upper respiratory infections. Mm. They get kitty colds, basically. And so a lot of times they go on that medication. But they get dewormed. They get flea-treated. Some cats need TLC. They need get that flea dirt out from under their fur, like, just to get them primed and primped and ready for their forever home. So they go to foster homes first. And sometimes they're there longer. Sometimes they're they're there shorter. It just kind of depends. But it's at least two weeks. Okay. So, yeah. And so the adoption program, how do you decide which cats become involved in that? It's pretty obvious. Okay. Yeah. It's absolutely so you just pretty know obvious. They didn't have an owner. Yeah. Maybe they weren't doing great in the community and they're very like friendly. friendly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of them definitely need what we call confidence building. So they're maybe a little shy, but they're not aggressive. They're not, they're not going to hurt anyone. They just okay. need a little bit of that refreshing their brain that people are good being in a home is good 
And sometimes those cats are community cats that have been outside their whole life and they're just going inside for the first time and they find out that it's amazing and wonderful and, <laughs> and they get all these <laughs> they get all these this food and everything because for our foster program we provide everything. You don't have to buy anything. We litter, toys, food, wet food and dry food, medications. We provide every litter boxes, litter, anything that you could possibly ever need for that animal that you are helping us with, we provide. And so that makes it a lot easier. And it's great because a lot of college kids are fostering oh, now. That's awesome. They can't permanently yeah. have a cat, but their landlord says they can. And so, yeah, we have some amazing... What a great idea. That oh, is. I love our college students. Do you need more fosters? Absolutely. And I have a fo okay. <laughs> and then my other question was, you mentioned grants, but... I'm guessing donations are also, I mean, you guys have events and, and that sort of thing. Do you have any events coming up? Or I know it's COVID still. Is that not a thing you guys are doing? We do a lot of online auctions, kind of like what the zoo and AZAC does. Yeah. So we do a lot of those. We have an, we had an art auction this year and different just online type auctions. But we do Facebook fundraisers a okay. lot. We'll have mm -hmm. certain cats that come in that might need more medical care or they've just... They came in really sick or really injured in some capacity. Like, we had this little cat. Oh, my gosh. Her name's DeLorean. She is this weird little black and white tiny girl. She's so weird. And I say she's <laughs> weird because she came in as a feral kitten. She was angry. But this, this good Samaritan saw her on 75 get hit by a car not once but twice. Oh, no. So she bo broke both of her back legs. And he pulled over, he was able to get her, got bit in the process, so then we had to have her go through a bite quarantine and make sure she didn't have rabies and all that. But he took her to MedVet and was like, help this kitten. So MedVet called us and was like, we will absolutely help this kitten, but will you take the kitten afterwards? And MedVet is right around the corner from where Aura is. We're in Madisonville, right near the big MedPace building. We were right there. And we were like, sure. And so she was angry, grumpy, hissing, just like... She didn't know what was going on. She was in pain. Poor and girl. so we did a Facebook fundraiser for DeLorean. And she's doing great now. She's no longer angry and hissing and all of that because she had to have us deal with her every single day yeah. with her little leggies. And she she's was not in, in pain anymore. Yeah, yeah, and she is the sweetest, funniest, weirdest little cat because she's... And I say weird because she's just like... She, she still has that feral like instinct of like oh, loud noise, I should hide. And so she's kind of a little bit more skittish, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But she's just so funny. She's so strange. But now she can actually run around and like walk her casts are off. Aww. But she had so many surgeries and all that. So she was an expensive yeah. cat. So we do a lot of Facebook fundraisers. <laughs> okay. And we have donations on our website and everything. And of course, with the end of the year, we've been getting a lot of really great donations. Everyone's giving at the end of the year, which is amazing. So... If you so inclined to want to help cats, help us help cats, we would love donations. Do you guys take donations of, of resources as well? Yes. Like food, yes. litter, all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. One of the number one things that we get donations of, unfortunately, it's like, oh, my cat passed away and now I have this leftover food. And so even if the bag is opened or has been sitting there for a while, like as long as it's not contaminated in any way, we take donations of opened food, and then we actually provide that to people who feed local community cats or feral cat colonies in the area. They'll come in and we will be like, here, you've been feeding these cats, we will provide that for you. 
but also if it's something that our organization uses, we are always like, thank you so much for giving <laughs> us these. So yeah, we're doing a canned wet food drive right now through the end of the year. I don't know when this will air, but we're trying to get 10,000 cans of cat food with COVID and how uh, the world is a little strange lately. It's mm -hmm. been really hard to find certain grocery items, as I'm mm, sure it's not yeah, toilet yeah. paper anymore, but... Supply and demand, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And wet cat food, cat food cans, have been really hard to find. So that's why we're doing this drive. If you see anything, we have an Amazon wish list and a Chewy wish list, and we put what we need the most at the top. We always explain why we need these items. But yeah, cat, cat food has been really hard to find lately. It this, really has. There's like, I have two cats at home, and we usually give our cat the one certain Purina chow and can't yeah. find it lately, so we've had to huh. switch her. So yeah. She's not happy That's about it. It's tough on some cats. Some, and some, you know, they need yeah. specialty yeah. food. Or... Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we take donations of all forms. And paper towels right now and bleach. Okay. Those are two really hard items to find. I, I swear I have this memory. I could be making this up. But were you collecting button-down shirts at some point? And do you yes, still yes. need them? And yes. remind me the reason All the time. why. So in my department, we are the Wellness Assessment Center. We are essentially where the cats come first when they arrive. And so when the cats join us, we don't know where they came from. Do they have fleas? Do they Are they sick? Do they have parasites? What's going on? What kind of germs do they have? Do they have a contagious disease? A lot of kittens get this. Um, virus called Khaleesi virus, Game of Thrones, Khaleesi, <laughs> Khaleesi virus, and it's pretty contagious. And so we wear those shirts anytime we care for any cat. So when I get in the morning and I'm cleaning up after a cat, I wear a button down shirt. And when I am done with that specific cat, that cage, I take it off and it gets washed. Okay. And mm -hmm. so it's essentially our form of quarantine. Yeah. Like but, scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Between every single cat. And so it's so much easier to just throw on a button down shirt and just put it in the hamper when we're done. And we do change gloves a lot and all of that. So it's just basically keeping the fomites and the germs at a minimum. So okay. we're not sharing disease. So you're still collecting those? We always collect those. Blankets, yep. sheets. Do you need towels? That sort of thing. Yeah. We are always accepting all of those things that you just mentioned. Uh, we go through a lot of towels and a lot of cleaning supplies and a lot of that sheets we use. Uh, we line our tables with them when we set the trapped cats down on them. We wrap them around our playpen enclosures to make sure that if a cat sneezes, it doesn't go from one playpen oh, to another. Yeah. You know, so it's so strange that just all the little things that we use and need. But yeah, absolutely. Great. Those are things this. where maybe Goodwill won't take something or... You know, you don't want to just toss it. Yeah, and absolutely. Exactly. Save it for the cats. Yeah, yeah. homes for it. Yeah, and we have a great contact-free donation area in our building. If you come to our building, it's a little foyer area, and we have a donation table right there. So you don't even have to come in if you're an introvert and you don't want to talk to people. Just come in and set it on the table and run. You <laughs> know, it. and so yeah, it's so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Awesome. That's all good to know. That's awesome. I want to go back to the barn cat yeah. thing, though. Do you have any good stories? You follow up on them, right? After oh, absolutely. You, you yeah. Hand them off to somebody. Do you have any like memorable stories you want to share? Oh, my gosh. There's quite a few. One of my favorites, it was the second barn cat delivery I ever did. The cats were Pippi and Zany. So, and I went to this home, and they had two little girls there that were so pumped to get these cats. But the mom's explaining, like, oh, you can't touch them, you know, like, they're just, they're here, they have a purpose, they're doing a job. But one of the best things you can do, so when, when I bring an animal to you, a cat to you, 
they have to be confined in an area for two to three weeks. We say three weeks is ideal, four weeks is even better, but you can't just take a cat and release it at your home and hope it comes back. Right. So you kind of have to reset their internal GPS. They get they have to get used to the sights, smells, sounds, everything of the area. So for three weeks, you have to keep them contained. Usually in, there's a tack room, you know, something in a barn, a fully enclosed stall, mm-hmm. things like that. And so this woman had this room and the little girls were just learning how to read. And I was like, read to the cats. Read to them every single day. Get them used to your voice, your sound. Talk to them. You know, the same thing. I don't know. You mentioned you have cats at home. Do, you, do your cats know the sound of a treat bag opening? Oh, for sure. Or like, here, for kitty, sure. kitty. Or a certain <laughs> sound, a certain noise. I was like, make those noises with these cats. Get them. They might not be a traditional cat in that sense, but they will absolutely get conditioned to you. Mm-hmm. And so these little girls read to them every day they practiced their reading with these cats and this mom was telling me all about it. she would send me photos of them and it was the cutest thing and then one day it was about eight months later she sent me a photo of the little girl holding one of the cats holding the cat and i'm like these cats hissed at me every day they hated my guts and she said that only the little girls could do it that the adults were not allowed to get near the cats they were not but the little girls could pet them pick them up, take them around. And yeah, and I was just like, I love that so much because, you know, same thing with animals in the zoo. You earn their love, their trust, you know, they get used to you, conditioned to you. And it's the same thing. They are animals. They are cats, but they're just a little different. So I love that. A lot of my barn cat people will re- report back being like, I was finally able to touch this cat. That's the finally best feeling in the world. And I'm like, yes, you earned their love. Like, it's just... That, and they're extra tricky. And it takes usually eight months to a year. I'll typically hear back from people and be, they're like, I did it. Finally. So, yeah. So I think about that a lot. That's I so do. rewarding. I think about now. Pippi and Zany a lot. And just, you know, you got to just take your time. Yeah. You get what you give. Like you have to put in your time yeah. and effort to expect something back from the cats. Yeah. But exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> what was fun is recently, just end of October I went to a wedding at one of the barns that I've taken no way. to and I pull up in the parking lot and I was like there's sassy hi, hi, hi. and I'm like that's so cool and then I get out and I was just like hey I was the person that brought you these cats like I'm glad they're working out it was really neat so that was kind of cool to be physically there and I was like oh, I'm not gonna see the cats and I'm like there they are that's so, so cool yeah that was really neat and then you have a tattoo on your arm, and I, I, I do know you well enough to know a little bit about <laughs> this cat, but I don't necessarily know the whole story. So you have a cat named Yam. Yep. And <laughs> wait, wait, Yam. 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 Yes, Yam. Okay. He came in around Thanksgiving, okay? And I his love name it. Was Yam. <laughs> so there's a lot of themes with the names going on. Yeah, it's oh, probably I hard to come it. up with new ones all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, we have a nice list. But yes, his name is Yam. What's his story? So he came in part of that feral freedom program that I mentioned through Cincinnati Animal Cares. And he came in a trap and he was skin and bones. Absolutely not thriving in his location. He was a fully adult cat. We estimated him to be about two years when he came in. And this was about two years ago. And he came in and just, he was fully adult, huge, like big cat by terms of size but he was 4.9 pounds which is the size of a five-month-old kitten like that's just or the weight of yeah and he was 
the hungriest cat I've ever met in my entire life. Like I gave, we always give wet food when they first arrive. We gave him wet food and he ate like he's never had food before in his life. And he looked like he hadn't had food mm. before in his life. And so we decided to keep him <laughs> for obvious reasons and he joined our adoption program. But while he was with us, getting him healthy was huge. So he arrived, he was very ill. He was extremely anemic. He had cryptosporidium as a parasite, which is something that snakes can get, but it's like a different mm -hmm. type of crypto. Uh, he had so many parasites. He was just ridden. And so he went on an IV and he was just so sick. He had Khaleesi virus. And so Khaleesi virus creates ulcers on the tongue, mouth, nose. Like it's, and so they don't want to eat because yeah, of that. And so yeah. extremely painful. And so while he was with us, we weren't sure exactly how he was going to improve. He just wasn't really improving. He was gaining weight a little bit, but then he'd lose it and gain it and lose it. So ultimately he was extremely sick. He had all these conditions, all these problems. And essentially I fell in love with him <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. He was, he was a mission to me because we do have these cats that come in and we're like, we are going to get you healthy. We are going to make sure you're good. And a lot of the times we do succeed and absolutely get them healthy. And then occasionally it does happen where there's absolutely nothing we can do for this animal. And unfortunately, the best case of action is for euthanasia. But with him, we didn't have any medically minded fosters at the time that I thought could handle a case like Yam because he was just off an IV. He's very sick. He could Walking was difficult for him. And so I took him home. I was like, I'm going to be the foster for this cat. And I did. And unfortunately, so he has a crazy story because he, he is still alive and he is still with me. I have him tattooed on my body, yes. Uh, but getting him there, because he was with me over Christmas in 2019. And he started getting pot-bellied, which a lot of times after a cat is so severely ill, like they do get that like almost pot belly situation where it's like they're getting food for the first time, their body is adjusting. So he was kind of getting pot bellied and we, this is so weird. You can tap a belly and like basically stick a needle in and see if you can pull out fluid or air or what's going on in that pot belly situation. And we do that because there's a disease called FIP and he ended up having FIP, but we tapped his belly to see like, okay, is this what's happening? Is there fluid in there? Because FIP can be wet or dry. And so wet FIP, you usually see the pot belly, but no fluid came out. So we were hoping it was just kind of, okay, he's on the upswing. He's getting more nutrients. His body is just adjusting. So I took him home, had him there for about a week. And then one morning I went up and he was unresponsive. He was just laying in his carrier on his side. And I, I, I thought he was dead. I absolutely thought he was dead. And then he kind of made a meowing sound. And so basically I just grabbed him up, took him straight to MedVet and had them kind of work their magic. And so, and they did, his blood sugar had dropped, dropped drastically. And that's what made him unresponsive. He basically, blood sugar is amazing and what it does for you. And so MedVet took care of him, all of that. And we did discover there that he had FIP. And so it's feline infectious peritonitis is what FIP stands for. But FIP is usually a death sentence. And a lot of people listening might be like, oh, I know, like my aunt had a cat with that. Like it's something that it's, 
it's not common, but it's common enough that you hear about it. And it's actually a form of coronavirus, surprisingly enough. And it's been around before COVID-19. It was not brought on by that or anything like that. But essentially there is a, it's not FDA approved medication and it's a complete trial and it's, it's been working and it's been getting developed and they're actually studying it now to see if it can work for coronavirus for COVID-19. Wow. And what a story. I know wow. it's okay. insane. And so we decided to try that medication and see if it worked for him. And absolutely it worked for him. He responded almost immediately to this medication and it bounced him right back. Medvet was able to drain a lot of the fluid that ended up getting in his abdomen. And I have this photo of him from like, it was like a week and a half difference. And he looks like the sickest pot bellied disgusting his fur like when you're malnutrition and everything like your fur and skin and everything was terrible and then like a week and a half later on this medication and he looks like a new cat wow. he is just like bouncing back he's still healing a lot he had a lot of other random things with the treatment and so with FIP you can have dry FIP wet FIP neurological FIP and ocular FIP so he had wet ocular FIP and so his eyes were involved and he had infection in his eyes basically and so it's just so crazy just how this medication worked there's a pill form and there's an injection form and so he did the pill form and 84 days of this medication and I ended up he stayed at or for a while until he got healthier and a little bit more stable and then I brought him back to foster with me and finished the rest of his treatment. And now a lot of people think that FIP, feline infectious peritonitis, is, it's not contagious. A lot of people think it is, and a lot of shelters or places where they have a cat with FIP, in the past it was thought it was contagious, and so they would have to euthanize like all their cats oh, and everything no. like that. So it is not contagious. If you are out there and you have a cat with FIP, do not let anyone tell you it is contagious. That, I didn't so, know that. I yeah. always heard it was contagious. I did not realize that. Yeah, and so it is not. It is not. It's definitely something that you want to be like. But I brought him home with my cats, and they're all great and healthy. It's typically current that that form of coronavirus FIP can be triggered by stress in cats, so they it. It's often genetic, which is why people think it's contagious because a lot of times siblings will all get it, so an entire litter will get it, and so that's why a lot of times that makes sense. But it's been passed down. Yes. Okay. So it's usually a genetic component, and it's something that gets triggered. So unfortunately for Yam, being triggered by being in a trap, he was skin and bones and all of that, and so sick as he was, it got triggered. So, but he was treated 84 days. Uh, and then the process is 84 days of treatment and then 84 days of just nothing. And then if you make it past that 84 days, you're typically cured, quote unquote. Um, Yam made it to day 36 and he relapsed. Oh no. Mm. So then we had to start treatment all over again, but this time you double the treatment. So he was taking 22 pills twice a day. So 44 pills a day. Oh and wow. Yeah. And I chose to do that because the injections are based on weight and the amount of fluid that would have to get injected into him is a lot. Cause okay. he, he gained weight. He got fat. He is 16 pounds now. Ooh, and so, <laughs> yeah, he's a big, so I was just like, I don't know, 4.9 pounds, to 16 pounds. So I chose to do the pill route. So he was 12 pounds underweight, essentially, when he yes, came in. Because he was full grown. Yep. I mean, yep. height and length. 
Yep. Wow. A healthy weight for him would probably be 12 pounds. Okay. So we're working <laughs> on it. We're getting there. But yeah, so it's a crazy story of him just survival, this medication that we weren't sure was going to work or not. There's an amazing support group on Facebook with people who decide to treat their cats with this. And the community of the FIP warriors, they're amazing. And so Yam made it through his second round of medications. And then he made it through 84 days without relapsing. And now he's been, on October 29th, my birthday, has been one year since he's been fully like treated and fine. That's so oh, that's incredible. So it's been a long road yeah. with him, and two years. Two yeah. years. And so yeah, going through that with him, I couldn't let anyone else have him. Mm-hmm. So he was my foster cat, but yeah, he he's mine. How he's many mine. do you have? That's incredible. Four. That's yeah. Yeah. Just was he hungry enough, and he just loves food enough that it was easy to get those twenty-two pills in him twice a day. So if anyone doesn't know what a churu is, it's magical liquid treat in a tube. It looks like oh. a go-gurt for cats. That's essentially what it's liquid. It's weird, stinky, delicious. They are magic. And if you have a cat that you're trying to like earn the trust of, churus, man, I mean, they're great. They're, or I don't know, personally. I've never heard of those. But, you know. <laughs> but basically, so with the medication, he couldn't eat an hour before or like 30 minutes after. It's so tough. I know. And you're just like, great. But... I was able to put just like the smallest amount of churu on top of those 22 pills. And he's like, thanks. (laughs) He was so food motivated and so hungry in general that he was just like, I will absolutely eat anything that you let me have. And he's still like that to this day. He is the hungriest cat I've ever met in my entire life. So, (laughs) but yeah, he He deserves deserves it. He's been through (laughs) so much, like a long journey. But he's great. And it was insane and it was crazy and it was emotional. And so... I've connected with this cat more than anything, and I've had my own medical issues along the way, and we were going through it together in a weird way. So, yeah, I got him tattooed on my body, For sure. and it's great. So this is his face, and he's handsome and perfect, and so sorry out there you can't see his, but he's wonderful. That's amazing, him. though. So, and Yam would have never had a chance without Ohio Alley Cat Resource. Never. I, I, yeah, and so and there's a lot of other cats with similar stories. Luckily, FIP isn't something that we see too often. Um, but yeah, there's so many, there's so many cats out there that I'm just amazed at their transformation and their stories and just seeing them when they first arrive to what they look like now. It's so cool. And at, or I take a lot of photos of the cats because not only for our record purposes when cats arrive, but then seeing them in the end, like, so I am the queen of before and after. I love it. And I love it. I love seeing that transformation and I love knowing that that hard work is kind of there. And my love language is access service. So I'm like, I am all in. I am putting everything into these animals and I am going to make them better. And Does Or have like a, a social media page where you share some of these like oh, before and yeah, after photos? Absolutely, absolutely. Our Facebook page is great. We share a lot of that. Uh, during Giving Tuesday this year, we did, instead of focusing on just like one cat like that we needed help with, we focused a lot on Hamilton. He's a great cat too. He had this crazy burn down his entire body when he arrived and now he's amazing. But I shared a ton of those before and afters because that's what people like to see. They like to see what is their money actually going to help? What are they supporting? And it's like, man, if you knew the time and effort that went into a lot of these, like DeLorean, that poor little cat with her two back broken legs. Oh man, the amount of time and effort and energy and money that goes into her. But now she is 
She's so strange. She's wonderful. I love her. Like, I just don't know how else to put it. She's just this weird little awesome cat. And she will be available for adoption soon. Ooh, good to know. There you go. <laughs> Scope out DeLorean, DeLorean. if you're interested. <laughs> She's so cool. And then Medvet named her DeLorean after being hit by a car twice. So, magic car. <laughs> so... Yeah. She must be a warrior, that little girl. Yeah, oh little goodness. crazy girl. Sounds like a rewarding job. It really is. I'm sure there are very, very hard days, but absolutely. Yeah. So rewarding. Yeah. And it's yeah. I think it's important that there's the free or low cost spay and neuter for people that need it and for sure. There's all the other programs. Yeah, and even mm -hmm. for your pet cat, it doesn't have to just be a community cat or anything like that. Even before I worked it or like two of my cats got spayed and neutered there. I made an appointment online and just I think now it's $55 for the surgery itself. Great. And then like you have your choice of vaccines and microchips and all these add-on services that you can get that are so much cheaper than your vet. Now absolutely connect back with your vet. Mm -hmm. You should always, you know, do that. But yeah, $55 oh my gosh. for a spay or neuter. Yeah, it's usually like 300 yeah, in the So yeah, it's amazing. And if you don't already microchip your pets, people, and update your microchip information, it is amazing we don't see it too often where a cat comes in. Dogs are typically microchipped more often, I feel like. But we'll scan a cat and it has a chip, but there's no information. We have mm -hmm. no way to get back that cat to mm -hmm. its owner. Or even sometimes we do have the information and we contact the person and it, it's no longer accurate. It yeah. was updated six years ago. Old phone number. So it's like, oh my gosh. Or... And it's free. Like, you don't have to pay for the microchips. Or, like, just update it. Once a year, I update it. The new year, every January 1st, I go in there and just log in, make sure it's accurate, log out. Yeah. So, microchip. I found a few dogs that, yeah, it'll have a microchip, but it's like has a new owner or the number is out of service. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And it takes two seconds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, man, you guys are doing awesome work. I know. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I think you. it's really incredible. It's, I know. It's so it important is. to the individual cats. Like, these cats mm -hmm. deserve a second chance. They deserve someone fighting for them. And it's so important for the community at large. Like, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's it feels good. It feels good to be there. So it's kind of crazy how ending up the zoo and the aquarium <laughs> and all of this. And now I'm just, I'm still with animals. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of, it's, it's where I feel like I was always kind of meant to be. Mm -hmm. So... And I tried so hard, Scott, at the aquarium. I just wanted an office cat. Like, I, I tried so hard. I was like, can we somehow get the aquarium to agree to have a cat just in the office? And he would always say no. So You know what's funny is we actually have all these animals, hippos, meerkats, painted dogs, lions, and we all want an office dog. Yeah. We need a dog a that's allowed. Or we want like, Bubba the Vulture to run around with us and, you know, but... Bubba would make... He's a, being a little too naughty for that these days. Yeah. Yeah. Bubba's know. a tough sell. Yeah. Bubba's a dog, though. Did, uh, yeah. did you come up with any trivia for us? I do have, I oh, do have I would, a quick I've been, set of trivia I've been ready. I've been ready. I'll say, I, I do have, have a quick set of trivia. I listen to so, uh, this episode, which Amanda actually has barn cats. She oh, does! Yes. They are the cutest, friendly yes. barn so, cats, well, actually. What's really funny is, so she got barn cats from me, and they were two really grumpy ones, and then I think she named, I remember one was Stevie Nicks. And then... Oh, she, yeah, they left. Yeah, they <laughs> left. They left. They went to her neighbor's house. <laughs> Whoopsies. And I was like, I'm sorry, your your property wasn't as good as your neighbor's. Which actually, it does happen from time to time. And another funny story, there's this cat, Xander. I hear about this cat, Xander, all the time because neighbors keep finding him 
and scanning him for a chip, and then it comes back to me, and then I tell them, oh, that belongs to your neighbor down here, and then they want to keep the cat because they've been around for so long, and so it's so fun. Xander, he'll pop up like once a year with a different person. <laughs> and so, yeah, Xander, man, I think about that. But yeah, often they go and they're like, hey, this neighbor's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I'm sorry. I, for, yeah. I totally forgot. Amanda yeah. did get her cats from the barn cat. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Amanda's great. Awesome. I do have some trivia for okay, you. Okay, I'm ready. Though. Are they, yes. Is it cat related? Of course it's cat related. Okay, thank you. Of course it's cat related. Excellent. So we did talk about, touch on kind of the importance of spaying and neutering, getting these cats out of the population, some of the damage they do to native wildlife. Yeah. So first question, how many native birds do they estimate feral cats kill in the United States each year? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I think it's really, really high. But also, is it true? Mm. That's where I'm so I'm so suspicious of this as well. But yeah, how do they prove it? Yeah, how do you prove it? Do, do you ask the cats? I found <laughs> like, how many how many birds have you eaten today? On estimate, how many, how many do you hold up eat? your pulse? How many? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three. Is it one billion? Ooh, I guess is it that high? Billion. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna say. No, that's too high. I don't know. One million, one billion. Those are very, very <laughs> in, in a year, you say? <laughs> in a year, all, in, the all States, in the United States. Whole I say 236 million. You guys are actually both low. Somehow. We're low? One of my low. guesses was one billion. You're, one billion's close. So what? there's a, a lot of estimates on it. You'll find a big range. They that's estimate insane. it somewhere between 1.5 to 5 billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, with most... Most estimates kind of accept around two and a half billion. Yeah. So That's we were accepted. actually chatting about this a little bit. Sorry to go off of trivia. We were chatting about, like, we were just, before getting started, what's one of, like, is there anything we should avoid or anything like that? And one of the hardest things for me as a barn cat coordinator and putting cats outside, because, or if you adopt one of our adoption candidates, you sign a contract saying that you will not declaw that cat and that will be an indoor-only cat. So that's kind of the way that we can kind of help this situation with the native wildlife but as a barn cat coordinator i'm putting cats outside on purpose but like, they were already outside yeah, yeah usually they're already outside they're already kind of in that situation but it is hard to be like okay as someone that came from the zoo world and putting a cat outside it's so hard so i struggle with that a lot personally but the way that i kind of can help with this is i email our people who have active barn cats in our system and I say okay what are you noticing that they're killing because a lot of the times with a barn cat if a cat is being fed and a cat's being taken care of they kind of hunt more for sport than anything else and so I'm a little worried like what, what kind of impact is this having on our native wildlife and so all these barn cat people will get back to me by far the number one thing they say is rodents mice even rats sometimes moles, voles, things Which like that. Which is the that. purpose that yes. you're hoping. Yes. Exactly. That is fulfill, yeah. Always the like no one has ever contacted me saying, I need them to kill the birds or the snakes or anything like that. And as a reptile lover, I was really worried about the local like reptiles that we have too, because they're just as important as birds. And I have had no reports of snakes being caught. I've had a couple people report they find lizard tails, like wall lizard tails. So it's like, where did the, did the lizard get away? Right. And they left, they the, left tail. the tail. Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to know. But I've had no reports of birds. None. And so that makes me feel good, I guess, at a little bit of, like, 
I don't know, makes me feel a little bit better about it. But at the same time, it is hard. It mm -hmm. is, it's a hard thing. But like you said, they were already outside to begin with. And we mentioned the different situations they're in. So if they're a cat going out to a barn where there are rodents available, they're more likely, hopefully in our minds, going to go for the rodents. Whereas a feral cat in the city that is starving, they're going to catch whatever, whatever they can. Yeah, yes. And birds might be more readily available than mice. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just the different, you know habitats because mice aren't going to necessarily be running around sidewalks whereas they might be in fields yes yeah. absolutely and, and not to say that they haven't ever caught birds or anything it's just what gets reported mm -hmm. and no one's reported like piles of feathers or anything like that like and so that makes me feel a little bit better but yeah you never know the habitat that they're in they're being cared for their needs are being met and so yeah i think that's huge like the necessity to me is a huge important like does this cat actually need to hunt to feed and you guys are adopting cats out into situations where the owners are agreeing to provide them with food, meet their needs, and hopefully they just catch some rodents along the way. You know, yeah. like they don't actually need to worry about hunting ground nesting birds or going after bird nests or anything like that. So exactly, and so hopefully, hopefully they don't impact I mean, the wildlife. We've touched on that before. <laughs> I think in our bird migration episode, possibly, or maybe maybe we haven't touched on. It. I feel like we've talked about it in past episodes how maybe it was with Andy from you know the Cat Ambassador uh, program. Yeah. But of course, the takeaway is, if you have a cat, it should be an indoor cat only, or you can get the backpacks, or you know, even though yeah. you should let them go outside, but oh, you shouldn't release your, your pet cat, <laughs> your indoor cat should not be an outdoor cat, if at all possible, um, because they do harm birds. And the number, it sounds like, could yes. potentially be very, very high, yeah. over a billion a year native That's, birds yeah which is but again how do we how do we know this number do we have any studies yeah. did you read anything about that and how many are not, not starlings we need, yeah. we need to look that up and go over it in a future episode but yeah i know well and but also there are know. so there's so much information out there you know you just don't know and, and yeah it's hard it is it's hard but yeah cats deserve to live too so yeah. you're doing what you're best i don't I think know. you should like I know. Be too hard on yeah. yourself for it. You're, I know. You know. I'm doing. It's I'm, hard. I'm doing good. It's a hard situation. But yeah, it's a yeah. balance because we we do as a community. We owe community cats a service. Like we owe them a life. They're here because of us. We should do our best to fight for them. So yeah. it is important to balance those. Yeah. And it's interesting too because also culture plays a lot into it. In England, if you don't let your cats outside, it's considered cruel. You're mm. being cruel mm. to them if they are indoor only. And so it's interesting to hear those aspects too, but also what threats do they have? What native wildlife is actually in harm's way there? And so it's all over the place. And then Australia has a huge feral cat. Fund. Anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> this is supposed to be trivia and be fun. Sorry, Mark. Continue. No, Next I'm question. Fascinated. I'm sorry. I'm there's, so much, there's so much to talk about. You're good. So kind of along those lines about, you know, how what Ohio Alley Cat Resource does to kind of help address this issue. I saw this number on your website, it's insane. One of the key factors in eliminating, you know, feral cats hunting them is to spay and neuter your pets. We all know this, right? Spay and neuter is huge. How many spay and neuter su surgeries have been performed at OAR since 2011? Oh gosh. 10 years. Okay, so it's around... I was astonished. Since 2011. 10 years, yeah. 10 years. So I know, so the spay and neuter clinic every year has like a guesstimate of how many spay and neuter surgeries do you think we did this year? And everyone puts in their guess because, you know, the vets, no one's keeping track. They're not like, this is number yeah. 2000. <laughs> so 
we've all been, we all kind of put a guesstimate in. And so usually it's like, I'm trying to remember. Oh gosh. It's a lot. Like, okay, in 10 years, I'm guessing. 10 years. 9,000. 9,000 from Jenna. Allie? Um, I'm guessing. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out there before you were able to get <laughs> uh -huh. sort of. Uh-huh. Before. Yeah. So I'm guessing 105,000. <gasps> She's dangerously close. The number is 106,304. Yes. Wow. Yes. How insane is that? Wait, yeah. how many is that a day? So It's about 28 per day. What? Yeah, I did the Which, math on it. So to give you an idea, okay. What? Veterinary, so we have a vet, Ingrid. Oh my gosh, Ingrid is so fast at doing spanity surgeries. She is just like the queen of it. Not that Dr. Rogers and Thompson and Whitaker aren't as great. You guys are all wonderful if you're listening. But Ingrid, I think she did... 86 on her own in one day last okay. week. Well, I didn't realize there were even that many in like intakes, let yeah, alone you absolutely. perform that many surgeries yeah. with anesthesia and everything. Absolutely. In one day. It takes a village. It's amazing. Just the crew, the prep what? The prep people that help with that and keeping all the packs of medical supplies yeah. disinfected properly and like clean and sterile and all of that. And then even we have these amazing people who just like do the recovery program for the cats when they're waking up. Yeah, it takes an army. Just they are amazing and wonderful, and I cannot believe. Are there spay and neuters being done every day or five days a week? Five or? days a week. So wow, yeah. I don't know why I assumed it's like every Friday you yeah. do a few. Yeah. No, that's unbelievable. No, so our spay and neuter clinic is completely separate from our adoption wow. center, and they operate like different. You're getting that so, many cats brought. Well, I guess yes. Oh, so yeah. there are pets involved. Though, Correct. Too, not Correct. Just, yeah. Okay. Yep. There are that's pets involved, and then also we do transports. So we have this. Wonderful man, Kevin. He's our transport driver. He, I don't know if you've ever seen it. We have a giant van that looks like a school bus and we call it the Neuterville Express. <laughs> and there's like little cats in the windows of this school bus. So he drives to different locations oh and goodness. people who don't live close enough to or he drives to like, he'll meet at like wow. libraries and parking lots and like people who meet there at all. He will transport them and then the next day bring them back. And like, yeah, we have amazing programs, and okay. then we also help other organizations, like the Grant County Ferals. There's a program through them where they bring us, once a month, they bring us, oh gosh, anywhere from 20 to like 60, maybe 80 cats on one day. And then that's how they can help their local community. And that's about an hour away, Grant County. But yeah, so all over. So I was, the math I was about to give you... Last year, I want to say we did over 11,000 in the year. And so I was like, okay, since two, if it's 10 years, yeah, 10 about mm -hmm. like 10,000 a year. Wow. So COVID played a role I'm in sure. last yeah. year, which is interesting. We didn't do as many spay and neuter surgeries, but we had more adoptions. Oh, yeah. Oh, so people are stuck at home. Uh -huh. yeah. uh -huh. And so this year, I don't Have think we're going to meet, because last year we had 2,001 adoptions in wow. the year. And so this year, I think we'll be under that. But anyway. So yeah. yeah, it's astonishing. It's a lot. Yeah, they it do. Is. It's amazing. About it's amazing. ten thousand cats a year, like yeah. you said. Like that's so many cats that you're getting out of the population to potentially breed. Exactly. Pass on. I mean, cats have what one to two litters each year. So oh my gosh, Probably I can't imagine how many cats a, yeah. an adult can produce in its life cycle. Like, yeah. yeah, absolutely insane. Awesome. Yeah. Great question. That awesome. was fun. Right along those lines. Man. Next question. In that same span, how many cats have been adopted Ooh. by or? 
since in ten years? In that in that same span, yeah, ten years. Oh, oh she's getting some math. She's getting some math. Okay, yeah, you guessed last year. That was above average. Gonna take it down to it though. <laughs> She's calculating here. Ten years. I'm going to go with twelve thousand. Twelve thousand adoptions in the last ten years. Twelve thousand from Jenna. Oh man. Okay. So I know it was kind of for a while we hovered between five hundred and six hundred. Um so doing that and then we had like yeah, I'm absolutely doing math right now because <laughs> I'm taking this very She's got seriously. A paper and pen out I do. I've got my cheating. cat notebook. It is cheating. I've got insider knowledge. I just can't I believe know. she's at 105,000. She was almost exactly on the money for the spay and neuter. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. Oh gosh, this is going to be terrible. Now <laughs> pressure is on. I'm going to say 9,055. You're a little bit high. Oh, a little high. The number I saw was 8,308. Darn, I almost said 8,000. <laughs> oh, very close. So close. So close. But that's yeah. that's amazing, though. It's still 8,000 yeah. animals that you guys have been able to bring in, rescue, rehabilitate, and then adopt out to different facilities. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yam's one of them. Yam's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he was a foster fail. So it's fine. Those are the best. Those are the best. Oh, man. Good so far. We're on good track. Okay. Next question, second last one. In what year did the Broadway musical Cats premiere? <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about Broadway nor the musical Cats, except my cousin played a nice role in oh. his like high school Cats oh, performance. School yes, yes, it was very important. <laughs> Jennifer Hi, was on Broadway. Hi, <laughs> you did a great job. It was great. Um, 1977. Ooh. I was going to say, it, total 80s fashion. Let's go 1983. Oh, it's right in the middle. No. May 11th, 1981. <laughs> 81. <laughs> yeah, you were technically close. I was like, 80s fashion. Come on. <laughs> Look at that. Just, okay. May 11th, Last 1981. Question. Last question. How many U.S. pro sports teams have a cat or feline mascot? Oh, oh my gosh. So there was a TikTok recently about this woman that was like, we should just divide NFL sports into their animal categories. <laughs> so because it's like birds and cats yeah. are like way up there. Um, I have no idea. Sports. I my coworker Nathan would know. Nathan, how many? Are so this was this was including. I, I gave a rough look. This was including NFL, NBA, oh my MLB, oh. Uh, and soccer. How many sports and teams? NHL. I don't know why I'm only counting NFL. I know, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, 26. 26? I, it's going to be way higher 17. than 17. 17 from Jenna. You guys are actually both a little bit high. It's really? 10. 10? 10. Nuh uh. 10 was there my count. It has to be more than that. I believe you, yeah. Mark. Just I, believe you. No I would say, I just looked at ESPN, so <laughs> <laughs> I was just they scrolling through ESPN, lying. so I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, about 10. 10, but okay, that's my, great. My big gripe with it, though, is there's no one with a house cat mascot. <laughs> mascot. We need the house cat as yeah, a mascot. Right, we They're do. They're all like Bengal tigers and panthers yeah. and jaguars, like... Someone yeah. needs to make a push for a house cat. Yeah. They're pretty tough. I agree. They really They're are. They're pretty tough. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, though. All but, right. Well, I got great. something. What can I do? Tell us. I mean, yeah. we've talked about so many things, but is there so anything things. we haven't gone over? 
that you want to point out that we can do at home? Yeah, especially my favorite thing right now. This is, pertains to winter time. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things we can do, and I'm sure people have seen this on like social media, making a house like for your feral outdoor cat or community cat, making a winter house for them. And there are so many, this is so great because not only is this something that you can usually do with recycled materials at your house, so reduce, reduce, recycle, but also it's great to get kids involved. And it's something really simple. You need very few tools. So if you have any leftover styrofoam laying around or even just an old like tote, Rubbermaid tote, something mm -hmm. like that, cut a hole in that. And the main thing is you're making like a nice little warm spot for them to be. So it doesn't have to be huge. You want them to be a smaller area because the heat will stick in better. It's less area for them to heat up. So cut a small hole in a tote. And then if you have leftover styrofoam pieces or anything like that, and what I mean is like sheets of styrofoam, like, you know, not just the little foam peanuts or something mm -hmm. like that. And just stick that on, line that like little area with it and then cut a little hole in that styrofoam that's inside of that put straw in there and one of the biggest things is it has to be straw not blankets okay. not towels straw is actually an insulator and will help do like keep them warmer blankets if they get wet it just freezes. Freezes. Yeah. It is not going to serve any purpose. It's actually more dangerous for the outdoor cats to have something like that. And so definitely use straw, something like that in there. And then put the lid on it. Put a piece of styrofoam on the top before you snap the lid down on. And then even if you have just like a styrofoam cooler, like Omaha Steaks mm, or yes, whatever. Exactly. You know, I've done that before. Exactly. <laughs> like you don't even need the tote around, the Rubbermaid tub around it. Just have that. Take a box cutter. Cut a hole in it. Line it with some straw. Make sure the lid doesn't fly off in the wind. Mm -hmm. Put it somewhere where you know the cats are going to be. If you have a covered porch or something like that, even better. But, like, put it under a tree. A lot of people will just put a tarp over it and just put bricks down on the tarp just to help kind of weatherproof it a little yeah. bit. But basically, anything you can do to provide just a little bit of warmth, a little bit of shelter for those outdoor community cats is really great. So you can even, if you go crazy, there are so many on there on Amazon. K&H Heating makes heated pet houses and they're fairly inexpensive. You can find them anywhere between like 40 and 80 bucks and they're just like, they're little, they look like little houses. And then, <laughs> yeah, they're for cats and you can plug them in and they stay warm even. So there's things like that out there too. Just kind of depends. But yeah, they're so easy to make and Every little bit helps. Yeah, so I love the idea of also using recycled materials and getting kids involved and kind of teaching yeah. compassion and ways you can help. And Exactly. Yeah. Compassion is huge, and it's so rewarding, too, just to see the cats kind of use it. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course. I've done it before. Like, I was like, I wouldn't be mad if, like, an opossum decided <laughs> yeah. to make it somewhere. <laughs> you want somewhere warm enough. Yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? Yeah. And so, and one thing that Orr does, we don't have any available right now, but we have an amazing volunteer, a Gatorade company provided us with coolers so even just like you have this leftover cooler that's been in your garage forever and that this company donated all these Gatorade coolers that their logos weren't perfect oh and then a volunteer took them they had a drill bit for nice. a hole yeah. screwed it in there 
they put straw inside, they put a little PVC pipe in there that the cats can climb into so that water can't get oh, in oh, it. Oh, that's awesome. And then they brought them back to Orr and they were free for the community to come and pick up. And amazing. so we don't have any right now, but we do get them regularly. These volunteers yeah. are amazing. Or so. maybe you have your own cooler like that at home yeah. and it's old or dirty or gross or whatever. You aren't using it to actually store food or exactly. products you're going to consume. Drill a hole in it, put some straw Drill in it. Yeah. And it's already together. Just make sure that the lid doesn't go flying off. That's the biggest thing is mm -hmm. you just gorilla glue that lid down or something. Yeah. But yeah, it's amazing. Just take old materials and make it good. A lot of these volunteers will find coolers at thrift stores for like a dollar. Oh, and yeah. they're like, yeah, why Got not? For like, cats. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's getting used. Another thing. So if you see an old cooler, you can buy it and drop it off. At you absolutely can. You can just it. Yeah. leave it right outside of our building because, and you'll see, we have a few right now that are just laying out there that the volunteer just comes and picks up. So you don't even have to like arrange a time with us. Just come and drop it off on the side of our building and absolutely will get used. Clean out your so, garages. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. That's one of the many things we've heard today that we can do to help right yeah, I, I mean say donating <laughs> donating food Stay litter yeah, DNR, yeah. there's so much yeah. you can do to help but Facebook fundraisers I love it DeLorean the weird little kid yeah do you care to share your you know a website anything that people yeah. can get look up to find more information absolutely you know? so our website is ohioallycat.org so pretty simple and then our Facebook page is Ohio Alley Cat Resource Spay and Neuter Clinic. You'll see that a lot if you ever come to OR that's what your GPS will say it'll pop up the Spay and Neuter Clinic uh, but yeah that's the same address same location and so our Facebook page is that as well. We have uh, Instagram of course for Ohio Alley Cat and our picture is, so we're on Orlando Place. That's the name of our street. And Orlando is the name of our mascot. He's a giant blue cat for some reason. He's a blue cat. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really need to ask our board members, why, why is he a blue cat? I don't know. But so our Facebook page a lot will have our logo has just like a blue cat face. Okay. And so, yeah, on Instagram, I believe it's a blue cat face, but Ohio Alley Cat on there and our, we, we even have foster pages and yeah if you're thinking about being a foster we would love to have you or even more volunteers we need people to clean rooms like you come on in scoop litter boxes feed the cats they get really excited when you come in because they're expecting you to give them food <laughs> so and it's really rewarding just to yeah. have them be there and kind of we, we do a lot of disinfection, we do a lot of cleaning, but also we have a behavior team and they're That's amazing. Fun. So, and this is great too. This is something that you could even do as a family, like Sarah Navarro over in education, her family signed up to be the behavior team and you come in and you just socialize with cats and you have a binder of cats that might need a little bit more confidence building or something. And we have those churu treats we mentioned. And basically you come in you spend time with them. You try to get them to come out of their shell. You learn a little bit more about them, which helps our bio team kind of update the website. Like, what are these cats mm -hmm. interested in and what are you looking for? So it's really neat. So you don't even have to clean. You can come and just help socialize and be a part of that. So we got all kinds of things. Yeah, so, so many great things. Yeah. Join us. Our website has it all. We <laughs> well, thank oh. you so much for so, being here, Allie. Thank yeah, you for all you yeah. do. Sorry, we talked a lot. to you. And yeah. yeah. Likewise. We okay. hopefully uh, will have some more fans or at least some more likes on Facebook yeah. for you and people are getting to know your yes. cats and donations coming in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks great. for all the work yes. you do. Yeah, yeah it's no, incredible. thanks for everything yeah. you guys information. do. This podcast yeah. is great. So. Thank oh, you. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. So. Alrighty. Until well, next time. Yep. Until next time. Yep. Talk to you later. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.